Hi, everyone. It's Tom and Christiana here. We wanted to let you know that 24 hours after this episode was released, TED Countdown concluded, and it concluded with a very special release and announcement. Count us in. <laughs> That's right. Count us in. Count us in is an incredible platform for individuals to take action of all kinds. We really discovered when we wrote our book, The Future We Choose, that individual action is fundamental. We can't do it by individuals alone, but we can't do it without individuals. So take a look at Count us in. You'll hear that in this episode, we keep hinting that this is coming, but we couldn't talk about it when this podcast came out because it still hadn't been released, but now it has. So you can go and find it online. But more than finding it online, we really want very seriously to invite you to, at this historical moment, to stand up, be counted, and truly let yourself be counted in. There you go. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Outrage and Optimism. I'm Tom Rivikarnak. I'm Cristiana Figueres. And Paul is not here today. He is on vacay. Is that correct? Very sad. Yes, we're missing Paul. However, we do bring you today a fascinating conversation with our friends Chris Anderson, the head of TED, and Lindsay Levin, the CEO of Leaders Quest, about TED Countdown, which is launching tomorrow. Thanks for being here. So, Christiana, this being a week without our friend Paul, but we do have Chris and Lindsay, and we're going to bring our listeners a special episode where we're just going to dive in in a minute to this conversation that we had with them this week about TED Countdown, which launches tomorrow. I know. It's so exciting, right? We've been working on this for almost a year. No, in fact, more than a year, because we announced it in December, but we had already been working on it before. Um, So it's very exciting that here we are about to hit the screens everywhere. It is just terribly exciting. So if you are listening to this podcast on the day it is released, which is Friday the 9th of October, then tomorrow, TED Countdown will be on all day. It's being broadcast live on YouTube. You cannot miss it. There's going to be amazing speeches, amazing musicians, incredibly inspiring. It is a joyful celebration of the transformation that we are going to make on the planet in the next 10 years and beyond. Do join us. So we we know that the internet waves are very, very busy and very crowded space there, but this is very easy to find. Just type in TED Countdown, and we are absolutely sure that you will enjoy this, you will be informed, you will be inspired, you will be motivated. TED Countdown, do join us. And if it's after the 10th of October, it is all available to listen again. So we really hope that you do that. And we will be back next week. Here's the conversation with Chris and Lindsay. We hope you enjoy it. Lindsay and Chris, what a total delight to have you um, on our episode. We have uh, we have heard your voices before, but it is so exciting to have you both together for the first time and to have you together on the eve of a very, very exciting uh, TED countdown that will be going live tomorrow. Now, Chris, um, if you can possibly remember way back into the year 2019, <laughs> and I know it sounds like a century ago, um, you and I actually unveiled TED countdown 
I will remind you on a live stage, physically, we were both together in proximity to each other with a live <laughs> audience in your wonderful um, TED studio. And it just sound, it just feels like it was such a different reality. Um, but, but the exciting thing is that despite everything that has happened unexpectedly since then, we have continued to march forward with this exciting planning of TED Countdown. And in fact, it's become even better. So um, I, I wanted to hear from you first, um, uh, Chris, before I turn it over to, to Lindsay, because if I remember, we had a very bold, really uh, ambitious goal. And we said we want to build a better future by cutting greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030, which is what science demands, in this race to a zero carbon world by 2050 at the very latest. Um, and we were very clear in saying what this is doing is not just reducing emissions, but perhaps just as importantly, or even more importantly, what we're doing is we're building a world that is safer, cleaner, and fairer for everyone. So that was our goal. What has happened, Chris, since December of 2019 to today? Um, and then I'll ask Lindsay to walk us through the very exciting day that we're going to have tomorrow. Mm. Lovely to be talking again, Christiana and Tom and Lindsay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Countdown is a, is a very different step for TED. Um, people think of TED correctly as devoted to this you know, ideas were spreading. Our job in the world is to just capture talks and spread them far and wide. And surely that's enough, isn't it? And um, a little over a year ago, we decided that actually that, that wasn't enough, um, that some ideas could, could be inside millions of minds and never actually get activated. Mm. Um, and that we might have a role to try to go beyond just spreading ideas and, and trying to do more. And, and so... The organization very consciously leaned into, how could you do that? And the idea that was top of mind for so many in our community was climate and the, you know, the terrible crisis that's coming our way. Um, and so that's where Countdown came from, is, is how could you actually make a difference, uh, go beyond all the talk, 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 and actually lead to things that made a difference. And, um, and so the, the initiative was designed to not just spread ideas, but to connect people, to connect people that are sometimes siloed, um, the scientists with the business leaders, with the politicians, with the storytellers, with the artists and so forth. Um, and um, <laughs> the original dream, the dream that we unveiled there, Christiana, was that this month, October of this year, we would be having a big live physical gathering of more than a thousand of the world's most influential people from these different silos, um, and that they would come together and we'd, they would share ideas and magic would happen and, um, you know, action would be taken. Um, now then, a pandemic has intervened and made that physical gathering impossible. And so we've, uh, we've adjusted our timeline and adjusted our plan. What's happening tomorrow is a giant virtual event. Um, it will include many of the same characters who would have gathered in in person. Um, the joy of it being virtual is that we can reach out to literally millions of people around yeah. the world to participate as well, um, which we're doing with partnerships with YouTube and our own global TEDx community and many others. It means that this is an event that will be shared 
globally. And, and the goal is to, is to launch an initiative which will realize its fuller potential in a year's time when we meet in person ahead of the next COP. Um, but, uh, but that's for then, for now. <laughs> um, we just think it's time to have a clarion call to the world. You know, it, it's undeniable that the world's attention has been distracted over the last few months, understandably so, by so many things in this craziest of all crazy worlds. Um, but climate matters more than ever. You know, you could say there's a US election going on that's terribly distracting. Well, yes, it is. And that's the whole point. Climate has to be part, a key part of that conversation and not be buried. Mm. You know, it, we have to take this moment coming out of the pandemic to realize that, you know, you have to kind of take scientists seriously when they say there's something big and terrible coming. And so it's going to be, it's, I think it's going to be an amazing event. I think if people are prepared to sit down and invest the time, perhaps gather their loved ones with them, this could really be a, a transformative day for people. Mm. Well, we are very, very excited about it. Um, but Lindsay, could could you walk us through uh, what 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 can you share publicly to not uh, completely spill the beans? But what can you share of what this clarion call, as Chris has called it, what is that going to look like? So what can I look forward to tomorrow? So Countdown Tomorrow is an epic five and a half hours of brilliant talks, animations, interviews, music, poetry, art all put together in a beautiful structure that begins with urgency, why we need to act, uh, fantastic presentations and TED Talks from scientists, from inspirational leaders. We've got the Secretary General with us. We've got Christiana, you yourself, as part of the urgency section. We then take people into leadership. What does it mean at a, at a national level, at a at European level, with Ursula von der Leyen, the President of the European Union? How do we reimagine capitalism? How do we rethink businesses? Some examples of that. What does it look like to transform our cities? Talking to some city mayors. And then we go into the whole topic of transformation. What would it look like, for example, to industrialize India or to, to uh, take India on its next stage of growth without fossil fuels, without coal, to do that with clean energy? Mm. Uh, what would it look like to end the internal combustion engine and move to fully clean transportation at a much faster rate mm. than people currently imagine is possible? Uh, what does it look like to prioritize the development of Africa as we think about uh, our world going forward? And then breakthroughs. What are the breakthroughs we need in cement, in steel, in innovation, in how we take new ideas and scale them up and commercialize them across mm. the world? Um, and Prince William, who has just launched his Earthshot Prize, will be with us. He's done a beautiful, beautiful TED Talk all about the concept of breakthroughs. And finally, action. What does it mean for us to step up as individuals? What is within our power? It turns out there's lots of things that are within our individual power, as well as voting, as well as making our voice count at work in our cities, in our homes, um, and really making sense of that for people. And one of the joys of working on this, um, mm. forced really by the fact that, you know, we, you know, there is a pandemic, is that we've had to reinvent what even what a talk looks like. Exactly. Like, um, these, a lot mm. of these talks, like that Johan Rockström talk, for example, is just, it's, it's a, it's, it's hard to describe and you kind of have to see it but I mean imagine a man surrounded by graphics and figures and graphs in a sort of virtual space 
Uh, it's very, it's very compelling. It's really like no other TED talk anyone will have seen. Wow, he's he's pretty techy in person, so I can imagine that's amazing if he's <laughs> let loose or he's able. Yeah, to and you, you couldn't have done it on the stage. <laughs> We've released his inner tech. Yeah, no, it's 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 very. It makes it very. I think it makes for a very varied yeah. program because otherwise I think five hours of talk sounds a little overwhelming. <laughs> well, but but we also should say he is the most eloquent and the most comprehensible um, climate scientist and earth scientist I have of ever course. known because he is deeply grounded in science, understands it um, so, so well. But the way he explains it, right? The way he explains it, it makes it so understandable, so digestible to all of us. That is the brilliant combination that Johan brings. Hmm. Yeah, one of the other things we've done actually is to work with scientists to take these very complex notions and turn them into beautiful little animations. It's one hmm. of the things I'm really excited to share with the world. You know, what do we mean by net zero? Why does one and a half degrees matter? Turn that into a one minute segment based on science, that where everybody can watch it and come away saying, oh, I get it. I understand what we're talking about now. Yeah. I, can I ask, because, I mean, it's it's so fun for, for me, and I know for Christiana as well, and we've been sort of like, this has been our, our day job for many years, being in climate. And of course, both of you have been very involved in climate, but with other hats on as well. And now you've kind of gotten involved here, and, you know, we've been privileged to kind of have a bit of a view inside the tent in terms of what's creating. And one of the things that I'm really excited about is it feels different. You know, we've seen many climate summits that have come and gone and they kind of have a slightly heavy feeling about them. There's often many of the same, um, you know, actors there. That's not to take away from the great breakthroughs that they can deliver. But this feels like it's really pivoted from this sense of shared burden to this kind of exciting possibility and opportunity of this regenerated world we can create. It, it feels joyful to me at this point, and I really hope it turns out to be that way tomorrow. How, do, you, do you sort of resonate with that as an assessment of what you've created here and what you hope will happen? Uh, absolutely. I mean, there's, look, it's, you know, your outrage and optimism, um, we're a bit of that as well, honestly. I think you have to have both. Um, that the the scale of the problem is completely daunting and that, that really comes over. Yeah. But but the day is premised on the belief that it, it's a solvable problem. We just we just have to view it on the kind of epic scale that that demands. And so yes, the content is trying to help weave together a critical mass of humanity to unite towards doing this. Um, so much of TED has been, you know, like I, I, you can have the best idea in the world, but if it's not accessible, if it's not yeah. really communicable, if it doesn't move from one mind and explode in someone else's mind, then nothing happens. Hmm. And so to try to find the language and the way to make this understood and relevant and um, inspiring, um, that's that's definitely, I guess, part of the craft. And, and you do that by by not just having sort of left brain analytical talks that just focus on the science, but, but you know, including talks that feature beautiful aesthetics and music and art and, you know, that speak to the soul. Yeah. Um, that it's, it's the mix that has to happen, I think. And, um, and the, the, the additional piece that is new for Ted, um, certainly, is, is to try to do so in a context of the world coming together on this day. There's, there's um, as, as, as you both know, so many things can only happen 
if you persuade other people that other people can see and believe that it can happen. There's mm. this critical mass of us all seeing that there is global interest in something and persuading each other to raise our damn level of ambition. Yeah. Um, and it's in, it's in that process that you can, you can build hope because the actions that actually need to be done are truly daunting. I mean, it really is hard. Yeah. And it only takes a few sort of people to say, oh, that'll never happen, to put a very big damp blanket on it. Um, enough of blankets, whether damp or pollution blankets or whatever they are, let's be <laughs> off with them and, and uh, have a bit of hope and a bit of self-belief that humanity is capable of doing this if we can collectively make the right attitude shift. Mm -hmm. I, I think the other thing is we've very much made this a big tent. You know, it's it's right. we've got lots of people like you all who've worked for decades on this subject. And then we've got other people who are typically not heard from or who come from different spaces because we do need everybody. Um, and the other thing that's really shaped it is our, when we set out on this, it was all about solutions. So mm. what we're trying to present is how we solve this. And, you know, you have to start with the, with the alarming science and the alarming state of the world, but then to move into kind of relentlessly pursuing solutions, I think has really energised people. Mm. Mm. You've spent a long time now, particularly, Lindsay, like, you know, right in the weeds amongst the solutions, dwelling with that for months, right? What do you come out of that with? How do you feel about this great shared challenge that we're now facing, having dwelt with all of that risk and all of that opportunity and possibility? Yeah, I mean, well, it, it evidently is very urgent and it evidently is about changing pretty much everything we do and how we do it. And that is exceedingly daunting. So, you know, I'm, I'm under no illusions about that. But I do think that there's real movement going on. I mean, I think, you know, it's no accident. Here we are in 2020. We've, we've got so many, so much evidence all around us that we need to live life differently. We need to organize ourselves differently. Um, and so I, I have a great sense of possibility of people, ordinary citizens, as well as people who are leading companies and leading cities and leading communities, recognizing that we really have to you know, makes substantial change. Mm. I think the other thing that's that's really striking is that because it is about, you know, changing how we do business, changing how we invent new products, etc., it does require collaboration on a level that we've not seen before. And mm. um, I mean, I think this involves honing some new skills. It involves, you know, stepping up in ways that people typically don't. Um, but there's a great willingness and, and there's all sorts of people coming together and you can pick examples all over the world to illustrate that. And that's part of what we're trying to shine a light on. Hmm. So, so my, my sense is if, if we could step out of our day to day, um, which uh, keeps us so, so busy with all these details, if, if we could step out and figuratively, if you will, sort of um, fly over the reality that we have right now and try to put words to what we are seeing. My sense is that um, tomorrow is going to be a real anchor in many shifts that are occurring at the same time. We are beginning to shift from looking at climate change as only a responsibility to looking at it at 
a responsibility undoubtedly, but also this huge unbounded opportunity, the contours of which we're only barely beginning to understand. So it, I think it is so exciting because if you look at this from a perspective of, call it the evolution of humankind, if you want to uh, go to the, to the largest, it's an incredible moment in time in which we're truly stepping up to a better self, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. I think we owe a huge debt of gratitude to the youth of the world. Yeah. Um, you know, a year ago, um, every news report seemed to be about youth marching and uh, determined to bring this issue to people's attention. Um, I really think they did that. And I think even though any individual kid may not have that much power, they collectively changed a bunch of adults' minds, including the adults who run um, some of the world's biggest companies, who seem in the last year to have just collectively decided that enough of excuses, they just are going to have to recognize a new reality and adjust to it. And that is why I think it's, it's possible to really believe that, that some of the solutions coming are real, that you know, we, we, you've got this paradoxical situation where um, business is the problem. And um, um, probably business has to be a big part of the solution. I mean, that's where the bodies are, the money is, the power is to really make a change. And so seeing this journey whereby some of the world's worst polluters are either realizing they have to get their act together and change their business or they're just being disrupted and shoved out of the way by people who are ready to do that. You know, that's, that's an exciting process to see. And I think we've seen that happen uh, again and again. There'll be stories uh, tomorrow on exactly how that is happening in practice in some of the world's biggest companies. Um, so, so that's a really cool thing. Um, and I think the other thing that's really joyful is a, a growing understanding of just, you know, the role that nature can and must play in helping us win this this battle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But instead of viewing nature Truly. as this, <laughs> this exploitable resource that we make money of, it's actually, it's, 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 it's our home that we must treasure. And if we give it a chance, um, nature will, will play an absolutely crucial part in, in starting to, you know, absorb more carbon and um, make it, make it possible to genuinely imagine a net zero world by before 2050. Um, so there's, there's lots of beautiful content about that again tomorrow, both from a scientific perspective, also to some extent from an artistic perspective. I mean, it's all about, it's about both showing people how this can happen and why they can embrace it with joy. Mm. And I think both those elements are there. Mm. Yeah, it's very much about what it is to be human. And, and I think we, we're at an extraordinary moment. I would agree with you, Christiana. I do think we've needed a level shift in our consciousness or in our awareness of who we are and how we're connected and how we're connected to everything else. And in some ways, you know, Mother Nature is conspiring to challenge us to do that right now. Um, and in all sorts of ways, all the different things that are going on, be it, you know, health, be it pandemic, be it um, the, the sort of political stresses, be it these tensions between generations, and we've got to meet the moment. Um, and there is yeah. there is a real pride and joy in that. Um, there is a huge sense of purpose. You know, anybody looking for purpose in life 
Well, you know, now's your moment. No matter what you do, now's your moment. Yeah. Now is your moment to stand up and be counted. And can you can you talk in a, a bit more detail about what individuals who are participating, who are watching, how they can get engaged, what we're kind of asking them to do? Because, I mean, you know, we talked a lot in our book about the fact that we, you know, we can't solve this without individual engagement. And it's really been the missing piece. And this is a big opportunity. So how are you going to engage the individual to be to in sustained action on this issue? Yeah, I mean, two, two things. One is... We really want people to accompany one another on the journey to the UN conference next year. So there is a piece about being mm. really aware of what's at stake. And the fact that the conference got moved out a year, on the one hand, is, is a disappointment and we don't have a year to lose. But actually, the year is being very, very well used in terms of upping ambition. So there's something about people being engaged with what is happening globally and with what all of our politicians need to drive. But the other thing is that, that's been very exciting is... Early on, we started to look around at what was happening in terms of citizens' movement, citizens' engagement, equipping individuals with what they can do, with what every one of us, depending on our different lifestyle and where we live and how we live, what it is we can do. And we've ended up coming together with a group of others, a whole bunch of different organizations who will each individually working towards a plan to activate citizens. And tomorrow we will launch that plan together as mm. one big unified campaign with 16 different steps that people can take with a way of counting your steps, with a way of choosing your steps, with a way of seeing how the changes I make in my life add up to a difference uh, the way the changes that my community makes can add up to a difference. So a way for people to individually engage. And we're super excited about that. Um, and it's the product of, of a huge effort across organizations where people came together and said, look, we can't have competing initiatives here. We actually need one. And we, we've got to be super mm. bold about it. And that launches tomorrow. Amazing. I, I think it's a day for people to gather their loved ones together and, mm. and watch together if you possibly can. I mean, it's a lot of time and we all are sick of virtual experience. But I mean, this is the most important issue of our lives. And, um, and I, I really think this has the chance to be a transformational day. If, for example, you could gather family, uh, watch, watch together because um, so much of the elements of change have actually happened by, by being intergenerational, for, for example. Um, and and yes, as the two key pieces are one deeper understanding, but then what what do you do with that? And um, there's actually far more that people can do than simply the way that they control their own lifestyle, their own spending, for example. And we'll be mm. pointing to some of those things tomorrow. But think, for example, of yourself perhaps as an employee, and imagine what a group of organised employees could do in a company. They have already. Yeah. There's so much more that could happen there. Imagine what you could do as a citizen of your town or city. Um, there's so much exciting happening there. So it's all about connecting the dots from here is a way forward to here's how we could connect with each other and make something truly amazing happen. We all play so many different roles in life, right? Depending on uh, who we're interacting with, whether it's family up or down the generations or across to partners or whether it's in our professional lives or our political engagement. We we play so many different roles. And, and the point is that we can actually use every single one of those roles 
to exert our influence for change. And by doing that, we're actually exponentializing, if that word exists, um, exponentializing um, what, uh, what can actually be done. And that's the, that is so exciting because somehow we tend to think, oh, well, I'm only one little person and what can yeah. I do? And I think, you know, tomorrow is going to be so exciting because all of it's a huge, yes, it's about learning about climate. It's a learning about all of the sectors. But more than anything, it's about learning what each of us can do, sitting right there in the roles that we are each playing. How do we exponentialize our impact um, in order to be able to make the transformation that we need to make in a timely fashion? Because there is that little thing about timing, right? We can, we can make changes, but we have to make them within the time frame that science demands or otherwise it's for naught. Yeah. Now, speaking of exponentializing, I mean, it's going to be amazing and it's kind of a beginning, right? Because it's both the end of the first period, but it's the beginning of the next phase all the way through to COP. So um, we have a question we always like to ask our guests at the end. But just before we do, I wonder if you could just tell us what happens next after tomorrow. Sure. Maybe I'll kick off. Um so we've got, we, this is phase one, and so far we have two more phases. I don't know whether there'll be more after that, but phase two is really between now and, and next fall, the, the COP meeting, when we're working very closely actually with a lot of the folk in the COP team and beyond to try to accelerate, you know, what people call the race to zero. So can we help get many, many more companies signed up at an accelerated rate, small companies, large companies committing to science-based targets to, to transform their businesses to be to become net zero? Can we do the same with cities? Can we do the same with communities? So we're really getting behind all of the amazing initiatives that others are already driving and trying to give voice to that and help accelerate that. So that's that's one piece. And that also involves some detailed work in, in certain sectors where innovation is needed at a faster rate, uh, where we need to scale at a faster rate. So a big effort to get behind the work on the road to COP. And then mm. next uh, October, we will have a summit supplemented by hundreds, in fact, I hope thousands of TEDx events. And I'll let Chris describe that. Well, one of the most amazing things about TED over the last few years has been seeing 3,000 teams around the world wanting to do their own, build their own communities, share ideas and so forth. And uh, many of them are, are so motivated by by uh, this issue, by climate. And so, yes, they're, they're finding lots of ways to, to engage with local communities, with local city mayors, um, with local initiatives, and um, to, to share those and build, build support locally. Hmm. And, and I'd add just that the, you know, the key to this notion overall um, is trying to break people out of their silos. There are initiatives that you can dream of that will move faster if, you know, if the politicians and the business leaders and the policymakers and so forth are all talking to each other. Uh, one of the things we've talked about a lot is how to accelerate the end of the internal combustion engine. Um, you can press politicians to do that, but how much more powerful would it be if you also had a bunch of people perhaps inspired by a YouTube video saying, I won't ever buy an internal combustion engine. Yeah. You know, if you have other, you know, in innovators showing um, a greater pace of innovation, um, you, you maybe have a couple of business leaders saying that, that they will take the lead, um, and so on and so forth. You can you can 
that those connecting dots can create a virtuous cycle that builds belief that you know that, that we can just you know bring that forward five or ten years earlier than it would otherwise happen. That five or ten years makes a huge difference, and huge. I think in lots of different areas, there's a chance mm. to do something like that. So we we don't want people to think of countdown as something new. Um, it's it's rather it's an attempt to connect dots. It's an attempt to just create a platform that lots and lots of people who have been doing this work for years and years can be part of to find a way of of recognizing their work and amplifying it and um, and making connections so that there's a catalytic effect. Mm. Well, you know, um, Lindsay and, and Chris, we, um, we, we usually end our episodes with asking our guests, are you outraged or optimistic or anywhere in between? Because we, we do see that these two actually are connected and helpful to each other. Um, so at, at, at the, we already know that you're very optimistic, but I would love to hear in your own words, how do you explain where your feelings are now just on the eve of, uh, of, of the exciting announcements of tomorrow? Um, and not just vis-a-vis tomorrow as a day, but, uh, vis-a-vis what you know is possible over the next um, short period and medium period of time. Who's first, Chris? Oh, I was offering offering <laughs> you the first. I, I can go okay. if you want. <laughs> How am I feeling? You know, I'm not particularly feeling outraged. Uh, I, I kind of accept the world that, as it is. You know, it's it's very complicated and there's an awful lot of things to feel sad about and there's an awful lot of things to feel depressed about. And in fact, I'm, I'm really struck that a lot of people are depressed about yeah. many things, including climate, and that, you know, mental well-being, emotional well-being, uh, sp- I would say spiritual well-being is, is, a, is a huge priority. So personally, I, I'm not sort of dwelling in, in outrage or even in, in sadness. I'm just hugely determined. Yeah. And hugely motivated. And, and I'm also very thoughtful about spending time with people who, who give me energy and where I can give them energy. Um, mm. it, th- there's something about tapping into one another's energy and forming community. Yes. Um, otherwise, we, we actually can't do it. Mm. Uh, our, our good friend, Nigel Topping, you know, he's got a lovely way of describing despair. You know, first of all, it's no fun. And secondly, it's useless. <laughs> And I, I echo that. We, we, we've got this incredible blessing of being alive. We live on this stunningly beautiful planet, which is why we're all so motivated to do something about taking care of it. Um, and we, we love one another. You know, we have beautiful relationships with people. So I'm, I'm struck by the need to connect and, and perhaps the fact that connecting physically has become so difficult for the last many months as further accentuates that um and yeah i'm just really determined i think i think we're capable of doing this and i think we must <laughs> the word optimism is such a strange word um people often use that word as if you know the future is hidden from us but it already exists there already is someone has written a script there is a future there that is going to happen and the optimist is someone who thinks that that, that future is going to be a nice one, you know, cake for everyone. Uh, a pessimist is someone who <laughs> thinks it's going to be bloody awful. Um, 
I think that's just actually the completely the wrong view of the world. Mm. I think the right view of the world is that the future is as yet completely undetermined. Like there literally isn't a script. It does not exist. If you were to reassemble the atoms of the universe in this moment and relaunch them, um, the future could turn out any of a number of ways. It's literally not yet determined. And the amazing thing about being humans is that we can determine, we can play a role in determining that future. So for me, for me, an optimist, all you have to be to be an optimist, you don't have to believe anything. You don't have to have a feeling of, of hope necessarily. Um, you have to believe that there is a possible pathway to a better future. Yeah. And you have to be determined to do what you can to contribute to walking that pathway and to making it real. And so that's, in that sense, I, even though I'm outraged by so many things about what are happening, I'm very much an optimist. I'm ready, you know, to roll up sleeves um, and assemble, you know, whatever we can do to join an incredible group of millions of people around the world who are doing the same to, to sort of rise up and try and make this future real. And the joyful thing is that the same future which avoids climate crisis is just a much better future, as, as you've said on this podcast many times. It's cleaner, it's sexier, it's more fun, it has more amazing technology, it has healthier lifestyles. Um, it's, it's worth believing in and fighting for with, with uh, every ounce we have. So mm. in that sense, optimism Count me in. <laughs> how delightful. Well, how wonderful. How wonderful to have you both. Um, how exciting to be on the eve of, uh, of tomorrow already. And uh, to our listeners, in, in case you don't know what you're going to be doing tomorrow, I think now you do. Uh, you can just type in TED Countdown or you can go directly to countdown.ted.com. Uh, and as Chris and Lindsay have said, do uh, do gather your family and uh, and and send out little invitations to everyone you know because it is going to be truly transformational, exciting. You will be talking about these presentations for days to come. So very, weeks. very exciting weeks to come, indeed. <laughs> and hopefully not just talking about the presentations, but actually joining everyone who is uh, going to be activated and, um, and willing to be counted in to uh, contribute to the global solution. So um, thank you very, very much to both of you, not just for this conversation today, but uh, Chris, to you first for having this truly different uh, vision of what TED can do, not just spreading ideas, but seeding action is what you're doing here. And Lindsay, thank you so much for having been for, uh, for a full year and, and counting um, the motor behind all of this. It's just been a total joy to be working with both of you. And um, Tom and I are looking forward to continuing the partnership. Thank you both. Thank you both for your inspiration yeah. too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. What an amazing conversation with Lindsay Levin and Chris Anderson, two remarkable leaders who have just brought so much to this climate debate and discussion. Incredibly thoughtful. What they have put together in TED Countdown 
is just amazing. We would really encourage you to join us if you're listening to this on the day of launch. Then tomorrow, the 10th of October, will be the day that you can tune in live on the YouTube homepage. Anytime after that, please find all the recordings at countdown.ted.com. Now, as ever, we have an amazing piece of music for you today. And today is really something special. And it's from Cosmo Sheldrake. He's a multi-instrumentalist musician, a producer and a composer. He released his first single in 2014, but he has really kind of engaged with music in a really creative way and used it as a manner to direct people's attention to nature, to what we're doing and to how we can improve it. He actually provided the responses to the questions that we sent him in audio form. So we're going to cut directly to Cosmo replying to those. I feel incredibly old. I know Cosmo's dad, Rupert Sheldrake, is a super thoughtful and amazing scientist who has written an incredible book with these amazing titles, like things like Dogs That Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home. He's one of the most thoughtful and creative scientists I've ever come across. And his son is clearly just the same. So here's Cosmo explaining the motivations behind this music. And then we'll go after that to his beautiful track, Cuckoo. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We'll see you next week. I think that art has an enormous role to play during a climate crisis. Um, I think often it's the role of art and artists and musicians to try and create embodied experiences or things that can transcend mere regurgitation of facts and figures and connect people on a spiritual and emotional, physical and intellectual level to the reality of what's actually happening. I think people can often just be overwhelmed into a kind of state of apathy. And art and music, I think, can help snap snap people out of that state. Although I think art's not just there to help communicate the science or reflect other ideas. I think it is also fully capable of making meaningful and valid statements about the nature of reality itself. Like science, it's a method of communication and investigation and inquiry. I think there's also many places in which arts and sciences can collaborate and overlap. For example, there's a team of bioacousticians headed by a man named Steve Simpson at Exeter University that have discovered that when you play a recording of a healthy reef back to a dying coral reef or to a degraded reef, as they've been doing in Indonesia, the sound of the healthy reef can help attract the fish back to the reef, which then in turn start grazing on the algae um, and bring the reef back into a healthier state. So by engaging with the acoustic landscape that we inhabit in creative and imaginative ways, I think we can enter into a kind of multi-species conversation that can have genuinely positive outcomes for the health of ecosystems. In this way, I think there's a role for art and artists to engage in um, not just speaking about the world or um, describing it, but also speaking with the world and engaging with it. One of the, um, probably just a sort of romantic fantasy, but some of the aims or hopes that I had while while composing some of these wake-up calls from, from endangered bird recordings was that by performing them back in, in the places that I'd recorded some of the sounds that it might help to encourage some of these species to return. Um, so I think arts and artists and musicians have a role not, not only to help communicate um, some of the issues that we're all facing but also to do something about them in a, in a practical and constructive way. This song's actually written by Benjamin Britten, but um, I decided to make a version of it. Um, one, because I just I thought it was a stunning, stunningly beautiful song, but 
but second because it fit into I've been making an album called Wake Up Calls which is out on the 17th of September um, composed almost entirely out of recordings of endangered British birdsong as a way to try and I guess bring attention to some of this beauty that we're often unconsciously losing um, for example the cuckoo um, the cuckoo populations have declined by 50% in the last 15 years in the UK it just felt like a good way of shining a light on some one of the aspects of this um, mass extinction which we're currently living through and to attempt to try and make um, something that, that could engage people with this crisis but without triggering some of the apathy and um, and kind of shut down mechanisms that happens often if people get lectured to or um, or just overwhelmed by facts and figures. What do you do in April? I open my bell in May. I sing night and day in June. I change my tune in July. Far off I fly in August away. I must. What do you? Hey everyone, it's Clay, producer of the podcast. I'm back 
and feeling rested. Thank you to Nolan for filling in while I was gone. I got to spend a couple weeks with my family, drinking horchata on the beach, eating burritos, trying to keep my 10-month-old son from eating sand. (laughs) We had a good time. Good to be back. So there you go. Another episode of Outrage and Optimism. The track you just heard was Cuckoo Song by Cosmo Sheldrake, which is a wonderfully reimagined version of the song Cuckoo by Benjamin Britten. So I hope you gave that song a listen on some nice speakers or headphones because there are some serious bass notes in there that, you know, will shake a room if you uh, have the right equipment. So if you just listen on computer speakers or just through your iPhone, I can't stress this enough. Please go back and listen to that song on some nice sound equipment. You'll thank me later. (laughs) As Cosmo mentioned, this song is part of his album, Wake Up Calls. Fantastic album. Can't recommend it enough. I actually sent it to my mom because she loves birds. And one of the cool things about the record is that Cosmo used recordings of bird songs featured on the red and amber lists of endangered British birds, uh, with the exception of a robin and blackbird. And that's important to note because birders know their bird calls and they will let you know via strongly worded long emails if you misidentify or overgeneralize bird calls. Anywho, the album is Wake Up Calls, the artist is Cosmo Sheldrake. Give it a spin and buy the record. Link in the show notes. Outrage and Optimism is a global optimism production and is executive produced by Marina Mancilla German and produced by Clay Carnell. That's me. I didn't miss working, but I missed the team. Sarah Law, Katie Bradford, Laura Richardson, Sophie McDonald, Fran Newman, Sarah Thomas, Sharon Johnson, and John Ward. Our hosts are Christiana Figueres, Tom Rivet Karnak, and Paul Dickinson. Special thanks this week to Mei Gong from Leaders Quest and Jake Ehrlich and Sheila Orfano from the TED team. Nowadays, I only get to meet these wonderful people over email, and I hope one day we can meet in a pub somewhere. And thank you to our guests, Lindsay Levin and Chris Anderson. All right, let's talk about TED Countdown. I'm texting my friends, family, and everyone to invite them to watch with me. And I'm also telling all of you. The live event begins October 10th at 11 a.m. Eastern. That's 4 p.m. London time. Be counted in. All of us at Global Optimism will be watching. Join us. Speaking of online activity, you can follow us at Global Optimism on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and yes, LinkedIn, where unemployment goes to die. And you can rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. Five stars takes five seconds, and we read every single review. So thank you. Okay, that is everything. We'll see you at TED Countdown. And of course, we'll see you right back here next week. Bye. Bye.